Okay, I don't want the children leaving because today's a special day and we'll, we'll let you leave in just a little bit, but I want all the kids who are age 10 and under, if you're 10 and under, why don't you come down here and have a seat right here in the front, crisscross applesauce. Everybody have a little seat right there on the carpet, front and center, and I'm going to need uh, an extra microphone. I guess I can use one of these, sound, sound men, would that be all right? I'll go with this one here. Uh, that's a good question. That's number four. Number four, number four. Yes, indeed. Hello? Hello? Y'all seen that video where that lady did that? Anyway. All right, here we go. Check, check. Yes. All right. I've got some questions for you kiddos this morning. First question is, what's today? Father's Day. That is right. Father's Day. By the way, if any of you other kiddos want to come down here and, and join us, you can. You just come on down. Um... I want to ask you kids some questions, okay? And I'm going to call you, so if you, if you want to answer, you can raise your hand when I ask the question, okay? But I got some good questions. We did this for moms, and so I felt like, you know, I don't want to discriminate. So we got we to gotta pick on dads a little bit, right, moms? All right, so here we go. Got some questions. Who wants to answer the first question? Oh, I saw Jesse's hand first. Okay, Jesse, here's your question. What is something... Your dad always says to you, Clean your room. Clean your room. Yes. Good for you, dad. Where's dad at? He's hiding around. Good job, dad. All right. Who wants to answer my next question? Oh, I saw this hand right here. All right, Scott. Here we go. Here's your, here's your question. What is your dad's favorite thing to do? I don't know. You don't know what your dad's favorite thing to do is? What does he like to do at the house? Play? What does he play? I have no idea. I don't have any idea. <laughs> That's okay. I don't think Dad knows what he's playing either, right? Because he's a dad. Dads just don't know these things. But all right, we'll get. We'll get. Maybe ask you another question. I, in fact, I got a question I might want to ask you in a little bit. <laughs> Mark says, "Huh?" <laughs> oh, dads don't play. Jesse said, "Let's get that clear." Dads, no playing in this house. <laughs> all right. Next question. All right, how about you, young man? All right, here's your question. If, if your dad became famous, what would, he, what would he become famous for? Singing. Singing. Oh, all right, Dad, we expect to see you on the fifth Sunday, uh, or fifth Friday, I'm sorry. We'll, yeah, we'll use him fifth Sunday, too. Excellent. Your dad's a good singer? <laughs> good enough. That's, uh, so, oh, so he'd become famous for being not so good a singer. Yeah, she moved, she moved, we know that guy, okay. <laughs> Sorry, some of y'all got that. All right, Sarah, um, what is your dad, uh, I, that's not fair, I won't, I won't pick on you. All right, <laughs> who wants me to go with that question? All right, now, next question, who wants the next question? All right, Hannah, here we go. What is your dad's, what, what, what is your dad really good at? What is he really good at? Cleaning dishes. Oh, <laughs> guys, y'all just drag him out of here, man. You just ruined it for everybody. Thanks a lot, Nate. Thanks a lot. <sighs> there goes my Father's Day. Anyway, <laughs> good job, Nate. Good job. You prepped her, didn't you? <laughs> All right. Aiden, um, how about this? If your dad were a cartoon character... Who would he be? I don't know. 
You don't know? Think about a cartoon character your dad would be. All right, in fact, all of you think of who, if your dad were a cartoon character, who would he be? Okay. Batman. Who said that? Jesse, what, who is it? Batman. Batman. All right. You think so, Aiden? Your dad would be Batman? That works. Okay. All right. How about your dad, Sarah? Superman. Superman. Oh, I did prep her. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I didn't really. Uh, hey, how about you, Hannah? Who, if your dad were a cartoon character, who would he be? Hulk smash, all right. So that's what he does when he washes dishes, huh? I see how it works. That's how you get out of it. He keeps breaking the dishes. How about you, Scott? Who, who would your dad be if he was a cartoon character? Mr. Fantastic. Mr. Fantastic. That's awesome. Good, good job, buddy. That's awesome. Mr. Fantastic. Excellent. I like that. All right, Sarah. Um, how are you and your dad the same. How are, how are me and you just alike? Because we do call you Jeremy Jr. Maybe I'll ask your siblings, how are me and you alike? What was that? Mom? Bad eyes. Bad eyes. <laughs> yes, she is blind as a bad dad was too before the surgery. It's okay, honey. You didn't, you didn't inherit my genes. Uh, Alright, who wants this next question? Oh, okay. Uh, how do you know, this is a good one, how do you know your dad loves you? How do you know your dad loves you, Jesse? By watching TV. By watching TV with you. That's good. He spends some time with you. That's good. That's good. Dads need to spend time together. All right. Who else wants to answer that? How do you know your dad loves you? He always does good things for you. That's nice. That's what daddies are supposed to do, right? How about you, Aiden? How, how do you know, your, how do you know your, your dad loves you? Spends time with you. Okay, how about you? Well, how do you know your dad loves you? He helps, he helps you. Good. How about you? Play games. He plays games with you. Yes, he does, doesn't he? And you always beat him. <clears throat> I'm going to stop that. All right, last question. Uh, what does your mom like most? about your dad. Oh, Hannah was quick to raise her hand on this one. Let's find this out. What does your mom like most about your dad? Nate, I'm telling you, you're killing it, man. You're ruining it up here. All right, good job, good job. <laughs> no prepping, that's right. <laughs> yeah, Jessica, all the ladies are going to be lining up uh, for your discipleship class, I think. Scott, how about you? What, what does your mommy like most about your dad? know what mommy likes about dad? I bet you do. I bet you know some things mommy likes. All right. It's probably because he's Mr. Fantastic, right? No. <laughs> how, about, how about you? What do you think mama likes best about me, Sarah? It's okay. This is our family. What do you think mama likes best about dad? Okay. He spends time with his family. Okay, we'll take that. Anybody else want to answer that one before we move on? Jesse? TV. TV again. I right, like to spend time with mom watching TV. Our mom likes that with to spend time. HGTV. I've seen your house. There's a lot of remodeling projects. So, absolutely. All right, guys, give our little kiddos a hand. Guys, y'all can head off to Children's Church. Thank you. Awesome answers. Awesome answers.
Appreciate that, guys. It is Father's Day. Let me put this one up. All right. There we go. It is Father's Day. And uh, so we've got some fun stuff we want to do here in the beginning. Since I did pick on the moms, i got to pick on my dads a little bit. Uh, this is going to be the message title, but before we get there, let's, let's take a look at some of, some of the dad jokes. Because well, I don't know about you, but I love embarrassing my kids now they're getting older. Of course, I loved embarrassing my kids when they were younger. I will always enjoy embarrassing my kids. Uh, so a few dad jokes, all right? Some of you may have heard some of these dad jokes along the way, but here's some great dad jokes. Yesterday, I ate a clock. It was very time-consuming especially when I went back for seconds. <laughs> These are dad jokes, guys. Come on, work with me. How about this one? I don't trust those trees, son. Son, what? Why not? They seem kind of shady. It's a dad joke. My kids uh, know these. Yes, they do. How about this one? Mountains aren't just funny. They're hilarious. <laughs> Oh, come on, man. How about this one? What do peppers do when they're angry? They get jalapeno face. <laughs> That's a good one, guys. Like, like, that one was so blurry, I was like, I can't use it. And I'm like, no, nah, I can't not use that one. That's a good one. So anyway, uh, I know it's cheesy, but I feel great. I mean, <laughs> what's wrong with you people? These are excellent. All right. Uh, how about this? Uh, I, I used to hate facial hair, but then it grew on me. Yeah, manly man. <laughs> Couldn't use that one for Mother's Day. <laughs> this was a quote from Seinfeld. You can tell what was the best year of your father's life because they seem to freeze that clothing style and ride it out. Isn't that true? I mean, that is so funny. Look at, look at your dad today, all right? You know, there's, there's a, you know that was the prime of their life. Oh, Miami Vice fan, huh? Okay. So, whatever. Good stuff. Uh, last member's only jacket, right? Okay. Uh, this is dad. This is how dad does diapers right there. That's, that, that is Nate because, you know, he's, uh, he's doing dishes and, you know, he's cooking. That's Nate right there. There we go. Caught you in the action, buddy. <laughs> now this is my rule number one rule rules for dating my daughter number one rule you can't alright just get there all the dads amen right <laughs> yeah that's right okay ah good stuff how about this is me since becoming a dad I put on a few pounds so decided to get into shape just a shame that shape's a massive circle <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah dad jokes you gotta love dads dads are uh Help shape us into who we are. Some of us, circular shape. But uh, good stuff. I, I'm thankful for our Mother's Day and our Father's Day because it is a time here in the church we can kind of just uh, take a break from where we're at in our study, which, by the way, we'll jump back in next week, Lord willing, uh, on the nine marks of a healthy church. Giving you another week if you want to order a book and start reading it. Uh, we'll, Lord willing, jump back in this next week. Uh, give you time to get caught up. But I want to take time today and just, just sort of highlight uh, what it means to be a godly dad. And if you recall from Mother's Day, we, we talked about the attributes of a godly mother. And so I thought, you know what, let's, let's stay with this theme. It's a topical study. Let's go with the attributes 
of a godly dad. So, with that in mind, we'll be all over the Scriptures. I'll try and post them up here. There is a Bible in the pew in front of you if you want to follow along. But let's take a look at some of the attributes of a godly dad. The outline, this is where I hope to go this morning uh, in reflecting upon this truth. A godly dad is one who trusts God. That's the first thing we're going to look at. A godly dad, a dad who displays godly attributes, is, is one who knows God's Word. He knows His Word. He's a dad who prays fervently. He's one who builds relationships. And he's one who serves others. Uh, this actually comes from a study I had intended to do actually over the summer at one point, uh, and I have not done. It's called Manhood to Journey, and uh, the Manhood Journey, and I hope... Uh, maybe we'll get, get into this at some point. Uh, but these are some of the things that the study hits on. And uh, as I kind of was looking through this and preparing for Father's Day, uh, again, I think this speaks to a great need in our society today. But not just in society, but in the church. It's amazing how many fathers, dads, just guys, men in general, who are being raised in the church, but we're not being taught these things. We're not being discipled in these things. This past week, we had a guys' night, a guys' get-together, and I appreciate all those who came out uh, close to, I think, maybe a dozen of us got together, um, and there's still some complaining and murmuring that uh, me and Don outshot them because we had a better gun than them. But anyways, uh, sorry girls, you couldn't hit the target. <laughs> Just kidding. That was as humbly as I could put it. Um, but it was a fun time, man. We got together, had, had, did some guy stuff. We shot guns. They were BB guns, yes. Uh, no one wanted to use my daughter's pink gun for some reason, but we offered it. And uh, we did some slingshots. We saw, shot some slingshots. And, and uh, we also uh, uh, did some golfing, see who could get the closest to the, to the hula hoop. And, and just some fun games get together and do some guy stuff together. We ate at the Mongolian Grill. We tore into some meat, man. And that's just good stuff. Guys, we live in a society in a day where we're not raising boys to be men. They don't understand the importance of the differences the differences are good, guys. Trust me on this one. The differences are good. And we've got a society that's trying to erode and tear down the differences. But God intends for us to function as He designed us, whether it be men or whether it be women. And so we need to embrace God's authoritative teaching in these areas. And so I want to highlight these things because we don't just need men. The world says, hey, to be a man in this world, you've got to have my, uh, my dad's generation, my generation, it was the John Wayne mentality. That was a man. That was a picture of a man. You know, this tough guy never cries. Because that's not a man. Jesus wept. Jesus Christ is the manliest man that's ever walked this earth. And we've got to stop getting what we perceive to be a man or a woman from Hollywood, from media, from articles written in magazines, from our friends. If you really want to know your role, you really want to know your responsibility, you want to know how you were created and what you were created for, you've got to go to the owner's manual. Because it's there that we will get true definition as to who we are called to be. And we'll never be that person apart from our relationship with God our Father 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I encourage us this morning as we unpack this outline to, to think about these things. The first point, trust God. A godly man, one of the attributes of a godly man is he trusts God. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 says the following. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You know, ladies, I don't have to tell you, but us guys can be a little stubborn sometimes, right? We uh, sometimes, uh, we got it in our mind as this way, my way or the highway kind of mentality. In fact, on the highway, we, we refuse to ask for directions, right? Uh, and so uh, this can get us in trouble oftentimes. And so when I became a born-again believer, this quickly became a life verse for me. Because I recognized as a man, I recognized as a, as a young man, that I had been doing 25 years of my life on my terms. I was doing it my way. I did it my way. Remember that old song? Yes, yeah, some of you recall that. Um, that's not good. If we're doing it our way, we're doing it the wrong way. And too often times, man, we're leaning on our own understanding and we're not seeking godly counsel. God's not even in the equation when we're doing things. But when I read the Scriptures, and as a born-again believer, I've come to recognize that unless I trust in the Lord with all my heart, unless I lean on His understanding, I'm going down the wrong path. And so I encourage us, invite us, men. One of the things we need to do is recalibrate our compass, if you will. We need to find true north once again. Because God's called us to a journey. And as we walk this life, and especially as we are called to lead, because that is one of the areas of responsibility that is laid upon man. And as we lead our families, as we lead our wives, we don't need to be doing what we see as right in our own eyes. We need to be humbling ourselves before a holy God, acknowledging Him in every decision as He directs our path. And He promises He will. Don't be wise in your own eyes. A newfound reverence for God, gentlemen, I'm telling you, it will give you an about face. A newfound respect and reverence in honoring God in, in my business, in my home, in the way I treat my neighbors. That's what God desires of us men. And so I invite you today... If you want to have that display of a godly attribute, it starts with trusting God. We also see here a second point that's highlighted. We find in, in 1 John 2, 14. It's knowing God's Word. How can I lean on God's wisdom and God's understanding if I don't know what God said? And too often, men, we are ignorant of the Scriptures. Oh yeah, we can, we can change out an engine, we can change some oil, we can mow some grass, we can you know, build some stuff, we can destroy some stuff. But when it comes to knowing God's Word, oh, we'll leave that to the ladies. They're the spiritual ones. Gentlemen, that is completely upside down. 
As followers of Christ, we're all called to know the Scriptures. Listen, if you would, to what God has said in His Word. I've written to you, fathers. Not mothers. I've written to you, fathers, because you have known Him who is from the beginning. Now, in the context, He is speaking to the Jewish people and those uh, previous uh, holders of the oracles of God that had the Old Testament, and that He was holding them responsible, saying, look, you fathers are supposed to be passing this on to your children, but the principle still stands. Because you've known Him who is from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you're strong. And the Word of God abides in you. Fathers, are you, are you teaching your children the Word of God? Are you having discussions around the things of God? That's our responsibility. Young men, are you strong Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I bench about 250, and I'm only 105 pounds. <laughs> really? Okay, well, that doesn't make you strong. What makes you strong is allowing the Word of God to transform your heart, to change the way you think, to live out of the resources that God has provided you, because He is your strength. And as His Word abides in your heart, and you abide in His Word you will be strong. Because you are strong and the Word of God abides in you and you've overcome the wicked one, 2 Timothy 2.15 also tells us the following. Be diligent to present yourself approved. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Uh, some of you men are carpenters, and you know how to build some stuff. And one of the keys in building things is you've got to be able to measure, and you've got to be able to cut straight. And that's the idea in this passage. A worker who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It means you, you cut straight. You understand the Scriptures in such a way that when you go to apply it, you're following a plumb line. You recognize what is true. And guys, I don't know that we've ever seen a day in the history of the church where the men of God are so ignorant on the Scriptures. You say, well, I'm not, that's not my thing. I, I don't... Well, you know what? If you are called to be a follower of Christ... God Himself said when John wrote, I delight in hearing that my children walk in truth. We're all called as followers of Christ, men and women, to walk in truth. And how are we going to walk in truth if we don't understand the truth? If we don't study the Word of God? And I'm saying, beyond just a casual reading and checking the box and closing it out. Guys, we, we read the Word of God. We meditate on the Word of God. We chew on it, so to speak. We allow it to sink in and we, we think hard on it and, and it begins to have an impact on the way I do things because of what I've read. And so I begin to process that and now I begin to apply that in my life and live out my faith in a world that's dark and dying. Men, we need to do that more than ever. We have little eyes watching, little ears listening. We have responsibilities in our workplace to be men of integrity, to be godly men, set apart, because we're honest, 
because we have character. And that in and of itself, by simply reading and heeding what God has laid out for us, will set us apart. We talked last week on holiness, and truly holiness is simply being set apart from the world. And there is no greater time than the day in which we live this dark, where in order to get ahead, you've got to lie, still cheat. Where, as we've talked about in Sunday school, little white lies are okay. No, they're not, guys. We've got to be separated, apart, unto God. I don't live this life in my own strength because if I do, I fall short. And there are times when I have, and I do. But when we're successful is when we are following after God's way. Because His Word is abiding within me. And so we need to know God's Word in order to apply God's Word. Third thing, and uh, if I can just be transparent, this is the one area that I long for probably more than any to, to, to walk better in. Praying fervently. Now I try to keep the line open all day. Pray without ceasing is what Scripture says. So there are many times throughout the day where in any given second or thought I'm, I'm offering up a, pray, a prayer to the Lord. I'm having a dialogue with God in my heart and mind. But there's something about the knee-bending, fervent prayer before a holy God that typically we don't find unless there's crisis in our life. When those moments come and they hit hard and they do come and if they haven't come, they will come where we're crying out with every ounce of our being to God. But yet, Nate even hit on this again this morning in Sunday school, and we talked about, and Randall said something, why not in the good times? We need, gentlemen, to pray fervently. Romans 12, 11 says, Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Attributes of a godly dad... He trusts God, he knows God's Word, and he prays fervently. I, I want to give you three examples uh, of, a godly, of godly men. I'm not saying these guys were dad. In fact, we know one of them was not an earthly dad in the sense. So, but, but they're examples to us on this topic of praying fervently. The first one I want to introduce you to is Epaphras. And Epaphras was an encourager. He was a co-laborer for, with Paul. Notice in Colossians 1, 7 through 12, ESV reads it this way. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Epaphras was an example when it came to prayer. Paul witnesses himself, and he speaks to his character as they were praying for the fellow church members and seeking to build them up and to encourage them in their faith. Dads, you've got family, children, who are depending upon 
our prayers. And we need to be men who are fervent in prayer. You have a church that stands in need of prayer. Epaphras, it goes on and says in Colossians 4.12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently. If we could go back to that one, please. Always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Again, if I want to know God's plan for my life, men, i got to trust God. I've got to know God's Word. And I need to be praying fervently that I might stand complete in all the will of God. God wants to hear from us. He's given us our GPS on the earth. And we lay it aside. We don't use it. There's no care, it seems, in the way of priority in our life for the things of God. And we wonder why the train's off the track. We wonder why our homes are falling apart. We wonder why there's such problems in the world. Yet, we've turned our back on the very one who's given us breath and given us life. And so we as fathers need to humble ourselves in prayer. Elijah's another example. Uh, this was the one that probably comes to mind when most of you think of fervent prayer. Listen to what this man did. Uh, in, in this writing in, in James 5, 13 through 20, it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avail much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Elijah was a man who was fervent in prayer. I love that passage that we just read because you know what it does for me? It encourages me that when it says he was a man just like you. We read the Bible sometimes and we think, yeah, these guys are up here, man. I'm just some Joe Bob that works down the street. No, Joe Bob, just down the street. Your nature is the same as Elijah's. He has the same struggles that you and I have. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those are the three killers. Ask Adam. It's the same for all of us, guys. But he had a nature just like ours, but he sought to earnestly and fervently seek God in prayer because he knew where his help came from. And he prayed believing, trusting, knowing God's Word. Trusting not my will be done, but thy will be done. So regardless of the answer of the prayer, I'm at peace because I know if God has answered this prayer with a yes, 
Praise the Lord. If God has answered this prayer with a no, praise the Lord. If God has said, wait, praise the Lord. Fervent prayer. Jesus Himself, the greatest example, in Matthew 6, 9 through 15, taught His disciples to pray. You can turn there if you want to. Let's go over there and hold your spot. Matthew 6. And many of you know this. It's, it's often phrased the Lord's Prayer, but it ought to be the disciples' prayer because He's teaching the disciples to pray. And I'm not going to read through all of this, but I am going to highlight some of this as we go through it. Um, in his book, Manhood Journey, uh, I want to read you a section that comments to this. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and take a look. I, I think I will read it. We're, we're doing good on time. Let's, let's take a look. Verse uh, 5 of chapter 6 in Matthew. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so uh, he says here in, uh, on page 64, and I want to read this as he, he kind of highlights some of the points that are brought out here in, in this passage. Notice how Jesus started with worship, verse 9. When we begin talking to God and realize who He is, it's natural for us to begin by worshiping Him. Note also the goal of prayer. Jesus' goal as He prayed was, Your will be done, verse 10. Not, here's my list of what I want you to do for me, God. Isn't that how we often pray? Too often times we just kind of lay out our wish list. Next, Jesus asked the Father for what He needed, verse 11. He, he, he said, give us this day, our daily bread. Jesus trusted the Father to provide what He needed. Jesus taught His disciples to ask the Father for forgiveness. Verse 12. This includes confessing our faults to Him. You know, that's one thing us men, we often battle with our pride and we're, we're not willing to humble ourselves when we're wrong and simply say, I'm sorry. Who was it? The Father gave His Son advice. Two phrases you need to learn in marriage. I'm sorry, it was my fault. And that'll carry you a long ways in marriage, <laughs> so he said. Anyway, forgiveness, confessing our faults. He also mentioned an important aspect of this. We must also forgive others. We must also forgive others who hurt us. Finally, Jesus asked the Father for something we all need to continually ask God for, to protect us when we're tempted. Satan is real and wants us to give in to his evil schemes. We need God's power and wisdom every day 
as we fight temptation and evil. The last thing that uh, we see here is, or I'm sorry, next to the last thing, uh, the attributes of a godly dad. He builds relationships. Notice if you would, Proverbs uh, 18.24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Philippians 2.5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10.24-25, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Gentlemen, I can't emphasize this enough. Whatever you're putting as a priority in your life is exactly what you're teaching your family. And if this place is forsaken, if God's Word is forsaken, and if the people of God are forsaken, then that's the message you send. I don't care how loud you speak. More is caught than taught. And when this local gathering is not a priority, don't be surprised when your children walk away from the faith. Oh, well, my kids would never do that. So said every parent who had a child walk away from the faith. Most likely. Many of them. We must build relationships. And I cannot emphasize that the greatest relationships you can build is right here in this local church. The local church is a hub for us to grow in discipleship so that we're like-minded and on the same page of the things of God. That's what God has called us to. He's gifted you. And when your gift's not here in the way of service, then the body isn't functioning right. Tie your arm behind your back today, Dad, and try to do all you can and see how much work you get done. But yet this is what happens in the church body when we try to do things in the way of ministry and many are neglecting what God has called us to. Dads, we need godly men. We need young men who will soon be dads to take the baton and lead, spiritually lead our homes and lead this church in the things of God. Because I can assure you, a million years from now, what is taking our priority and interest will not amount to anything apart from the cause of Christ. My lake house, my beach house, my ball game, my movie, my entertainment, my whatever will not amount to a hill of beans in the eyes of eternity. I'm not against those things. I enjoy those things. I'm speaking to priority. And when we neglect, we suffer. We need to spur one another on to good works. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, Therefore, uh, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We don't always agree, guys, and that's okay. But we agree to fight for one another in the way of unity. It's almost an oxymoron, fight for unity. But we must. Because Satan loves to shoot fiery darts to rip relationships 
we are called to edify and build each other up. And sometimes that means hard truths, tough truths, but we do so with love for the sake of one another. We must build relationships. Dads, that's part of a godly attribute. John 1.18 says, No one has ever seen God, but the only one and only Son who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made Him known. Jesus Himself in His intimate relationship with His Heavenly Father, it's because of that relationship He's able to make Him known. When He said, you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. I wonder for us men, when people see us, do they see our Heavenly Father in which we represent? We're also called to serve others. That's the last point. John 12, uh, 26 says, If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. That's pretty good, huh? That's a promise, by the way, gentlemen. You know, we used to live in a day, handshaking the word of a man was enough. Can I tell you, when it comes to God, His Word is enough. And He makes us some great promises here. We're called to serve others. We're called to serve Him. Notice in uh, Colossians uh, uh, in chapter 9, verse 19, For though I'm free from all men, I've made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. Paul lived by this. Romans uh, 14, 18 for he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Guys, we are called to serve a resurrected Lord. And in so doing, we serve others. And that's one thing I love about Community Baptist Church that I've seen over the years is when there's need made known, we step up. And we need men now to step up. So, conclusion. The question was once asked, what do fathers do? I'll read you an article from someone who wrote columns in a magazine. said, I received a letter from a single mother who had raised a son who was about to become a dad. Since he had no recollection of his own father, her question to me was, what do I tell him a father does? When my dad died in my ninth year, I too was raised by my mother, giving rise to the same question. What do fathers do? As far as I could observe, they brought around the car when it rained so everyone else could stay dry. They always took the family pictures, which is why they're never in them. They carved turkeys on Thanksgiving, kept the car gassed up, weren't afraid to go into the basement, Mow the lawn, tighten the clothesline to keep it from sagging. Clothesline, you younger people, that's that wire that used to... Anyway. It wasn't until my husband and I had children that I was able to observe firsthand what a father contributed to a child's life. What did he do to deserve his children's respect? He rarely fed them, did anything about their sagging diapers wiped their noses or fannies, played ball or bonded with them under the hoods of their cars. What did he do? 
He threw them higher than his head until they were freaking out with laughter. He cast the deciding vote on the puppy debate. He listened more than he talked. He let them make mistakes. He allowed them to fall from their first two-wheeler without having a heart attack. He read a newspaper while they were trying to parallel park a car for the first time in preparation of their driving test. If I had to tell someone's son what a father really does that is important, it wouldn't be that he shows up for the job in good times and bad times. He's a man who is constantly being observed by his children. They learn from him how to handle adversity, anger, disappointment, and success. He won't laugh at their dreams no matter how impossible they might seem. He will dig out at 1 a.m. when one of his children runs out of gas. He will make unpopular decisions and stand by them. When he's wrong and makes a mistake, he will admit it. He sets the tone for how family members treat one another, members of the opposite sex and people who are different from they are. By example, he can instill a desire to give something back to the community when, it needs, when its needs are greater than theirs. But mostly, a good father involves himself in his kids' lives. The more responsibility he has for a child, the harder it is to walk out of his life. A father has the potential to be a powerful force in the life of a child. Grab it. Maybe you'll get a greeting card for your efforts. Maybe not. But it's steady work. Irma Bombeck, Field Enterprises. Well, there's a lot that can be said about what a father is or what a father does. And all of these things that I highlighted, they may be well and true, but the most important thing a dad can do is be a man of God. A man who trusts God. A man who knows God's Word. A man who prays fervently. A man who builds relationships. And a man who serves others. That's what a godly man does. Because that's who he is. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. We don't know how to do this father thing apart from you. If there be any good in us, it's because it's a reflection of who you are and your character. And so, Lord, how important for us as men, for current dads or, or, or dads-to-be, or even just us who've had dads, I think that covers all of us. Lord, we all need this. We need to know your way to live this life because living this life apart from you is chaos, anarchy. It always leads to death. But because you sent your son Jesus Christ into this world, through him we can have life and not just life, we can have life abundant. And so, Lord, my prayer this morning is for everyone, dads, moms, children. If there be anyone here today that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, today the Father invites you to receive the greatest gift you could ever receive. And that is an established relationship with Him through His Son. 
You see, Christ came into this world to pay for our sins. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you're here today and you're dead in your trespasses and sin, you say, well, what does that mean? It means that we've offended God. We're, we're, we're born in this world spiritually dead. And unless we turn to God in saving faith, we'll never be made alive spiritually. We'll die in these fleshly bodies and we'll go into an eternal death. But that's not what God wants for you. That's why God sent His Son into this world, to seek and to save that which is lost. And so today I invite you to turn from your sin and call upon the only name under heaven by which you can be saved. It's the name of Jesus Christ. And so if you are willing today to humble yourself before a holy God and call upon His name to save you, He makes you a promise. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In this closing moment of prayer, just simply in your own words, in your own heart, not out loud, you can just simply say, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. And I stand in need of a Savior. And so as the Spirit of God deals with you, you do what the Spirit of God would have you do in response. Repent and place your faith in the finished work of Calvary. Father, thank you for the dads represented. Help us to be men who display godly attributes that we might be light and salt to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.